It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests and I'm glad you're here. Since we've all been home so much more, I've noticed things about the world and more things about the world in my backyard than I think I ever have before. Generations of bunnies, lots and lots of bunnies. I've noticed we have a pair of cardinals, and I've noticed the way the male cardinal watches out for the female cardinal as they're eating together. And I've become very aware now through two seasons of the way the tree outside my office window looks as it's just getting ready to burst into bloom. It hasn't opened yet, but you can see and feel when you look at it, all that potential in the bud at the end of the branch. My guest today is passionate about garden mindfulness, a spiritual practice that leads to self-discovery and wisdom and contentedness. She says it can help us heal ourselves and the world. Joanne Calabrese is here to shine a light on this practice, Garden Mindfulness, and highlight some ways to deepen our connection to the green world and our spiritual selves. So are you ready to meet her? Joanne Calabrese is the author of Growing Mindful, Explorations in the Garden to Deepen Your Awareness. She's a lifelong organic gardener and herbalist, as well as a skilled wellness, mindfulness, and recovery educator. Her experience includes meditation, ritual work, qigong, and tai chi. Her passion is sharing how these intersecting practices can lead to more connectedness and healing in the world through her writing, workshops, and coaching. Joanne co-creates an urban backyard sanctuary in Denver, Colorado, where she lives with her dogs, Luna and Millie. You can find out more about Joanne and her work at mindfulnessgardengames.com. Joanne, welcome to Out of the Fog. Hi, Karen. It's good to be here. What is it that started your love affair with what you call the green world? Where did that begin? Well, I grew up in a family um, of gardeners, and my grandparents were immigrants from Italy. My one grandfather had a huge garden, um, and some of my earliest memories were just running through the fields or the, the, the rows of corn and tomatoes, and I don't know how many times he let us do that because in retrospect, it, it seems odd, but he was very tolerant, and I just remember the smells and playing hide and seek with my cousins and just being among these plants. And I remember sitting under his grape arbor and the family like um, shelling beans, um, harvesting other things together. So 
I just kind of grew up with, well, that's what you do. Um, my parents canned a lot of fruits and vegetables. So there was also that process of you take things, you grow them with your own hands, with, you know, with the soil in your backyard, and then you have food for yourselves for the winter. And of course, my parents grew up during the Depression. So they that was something that was important to them as well. So I was kind of just wired to be into plants and gardening. And then I started a family pretty early on and started gardening. And simultaneously, in my early 20s, I started uh, meditation practice. And I don't know the exact point where they started to flow together, but it just became very apparent to me that it wasn't just about growing food. It wasn't just this very pragmatic, practical thing, but that you know, the earth is alive and the plants are alive. And there's this, um, this place where it's deeply spiritual, that it just, the world kind of opens up to us. And uh, yes, I do. I can't put an exact point on it, but certainly I feel like my early, my early times of being around my grandfather in particular really kind of fed the passion. Well, and it's a world that at least for, at least for me, I think it's a world that is that we often don't pay attention to. It's like a backdrop, kind of like our spiritual practice, right? We ignore the spiritual practice because so many other things are going on. And and I think the, the green world can be a backdrop to the other things that, that we're doing. And yet there it is kind of pulsing life into our into our days and nights. It's out there doing its own thing. Yes, absolutely. I think about that all the time is that, that the words that you use that people bump around through the world, like the world itself is just a backdrop for a video that they're in. And it's our life support system uh, in a very real way. And again, uh, entities, I think about every time I pass a tree, this is a living entities, some of them who've been here years longer than me. And it has, again, a life, a life force pulsing through it. And what can I learn if I tap into that? And this book is a, is a marvel, I think, because it, there are so many exercises in here to help us, even if we've been bumping around like the world is our backdrop, to help us come more closely into connection in simple practical ways come more closely into connection with that pulse of life or with that right with that with that feeling of life and growth in the green world and i noticed that you say in the book that before readers practice any of the exercises or explorations in the book they should be sure to ground and center themselves and as someone who is always working on grounding myself what do you mean by grounding and centering? Are those two different things? And why is that so important? Yeah, I think that sometimes people uh, combine the words, but for me, they feel, there's sort of a visceral feeling that that's very different. So the grounding is um, sensing where I am on the planet. And of course, if we do it outside, um, we can take shoes off if we want, although the earth is, has a lot of energy and if you don't have to take your shoes off to feel it, um, but to really sense that connection and being grounded, we can also touch the earth and take a moment to tune into this connectedness that we have 
with our planet, which is our home. And then centering to me feels like pulling all of those uh, disorganized energies back into our center. Um, I, I practice Qigong and Tai Chi, and there's, um, you know, kind of a core of energy that runs through our center. So really pulling that in, I know different systems look at it differently, whether it's dantians or chakras, but we have a core of energy that runs through our body. And so, again, with intention and as a deliberate practice, pulling that energy back in. And if somebody is at a point where they don't sense that energy yet, that's okay. Visualize that. Visualize yourself pulling things back into the center of your being. So the groundedness, I feel like, is our attachment to our home planet. And then the centering is bringing ourselves back into our core. And why is it so important to do that? This is a leading question, right? Why is it so important to do that as we settle into becoming mindful? Well, I think it's one of the key practices for mindfulness. Um, we are very distracted. You know, some of that is, you know, our brains are just wired to look for novelty. I mean, there's been a lot of people writing about this and science looking at it. But in the current time that we live where there are so many distractions from uh, noise to electronics, if we don't take the time to do that, it can be very, very challenging, uh, almost impossible, I would think, to to have your mind focus on a mindful practice. It's almost like just energy swirling around us and very, very scattered. So we pull that back in so that we can then focus the energy. I also noticed that you suggest at the end of the exploration that the experiencer closes that connection can you say why? I think that's beautiful because to me that's about respect and it's about honoring whatever it was I just experienced. Why was that so important to put in? I think stopping, again, we're, we live in a really busy, busy time and busy planet and we rush from one experience to another so to take that time to integrate, to reflect, to stop and acknowledge and, and be grateful for what just happened um, is, again, both an honoring of the practice, but we're in another sense, we're building neural pathways. We're building a remembrance of this, whatever the experience was, so that we can come back to it in, in an easier way. Now, the book's divided into two separate parts, and I want to just start by looking at the part that's about explorations in the green world, creative and sensory and movement explorations. Do you have any favorites? I'd love to hear you maybe share a, one of those explorations with the listener, but also which ones you especially like. Yeah, it changes from time to time, although I will say that the the creative ones are ones that I love in particular to do with my grandkids mm -hmm. because uh, they're easy. There's, a, there's an easy access to that. Um, and then the ones that I, I kind of gravitate to are the ones that are a little bit deeper, the uh, meditation practices. And I've been thinking a lot about the one um, with expanding, contracting, 
um, especially because it's spring and we see so much uh, expansion. But the meditation is to, to sit in the outdoors or to stand and to tune into this energy that um, is really a dance of expansion and contraction that goes on all the time in the green world and, and also in our lives. But we start with the, the green world focus and we start to just notice where is that happening. So in spring, there is a lot of expansion. There's things popping up out of the ground. There are things unfurling, uh, buds popping out. And so we see that expansion. But even in a time like spring, if we're paying attention, there will be some things contracting in various ways. And then as the summer goes on, uh, the plants that really are expanding like right now, if, if you're, you're a gardener, you know that in the spring, there are plants like peas and flax and things that love the cooler weather. They will start to contract when it gets too hot, even as other things are bursting forth. And so noticing that, just being present for this miracle that's taking place on the planet and cultivating that awe because it's awe-inspiring. And then I think we push those boundaries out and we become aware of the expansion and contraction in our own lives. And what does that mean or what does that look like for us? And I think with all of the activities, and I note this in the book, that there's certainly a part of them that are intellectual, but these are not just thinking through, you know, philosophically, what does it mean to expand and contract? But as we develop this awareness, it becomes this um, feeling in our, in our bodies and in um, the field around us where we're really attuned to expansion and contraction and that at any moment in our lives, there are things that are pushing out, whether it's a career or we're parenting or it's a, some sort of love of a hobby that, that we're interested in. And there are other things that are contracting and that's a balance. And sometimes it's sad when things are contracting and we might have um, feelings and energies around that, but to note them is to be present for our lives. And that's an important thing. You're listening to Out of the Fog. I'm talking with Joanne Calabrese. Her new book is Growing Mindful, Explorations in the Garden to Deepen Your Awareness. You can find out more about Joanne and her work at mindfulnessgardengames.com. I love what you were saying about how this isn't, it's not a thought experiment. It's not something to sort of discuss and ponder. It's something to go out and do. And when I think about the anxiety that I know I've had and a lot of other people have had during these difficult times, when I think about all the stresses in life, a lot of times our anxiety is kind of based on we don't know what to do or the choices don't seem right. This book has things for us to, excuse me, this book has things for us to do that ask us to just go out and do them put our hands in the earth. And there's something so powerful about that direct connection that to me draws a parallel with the way when we get quiet, we can have a direct connection with source or whatever word you use to describe that. Do you know what I'm kind of getting at? Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think as a culture, we have very much gotten into our heads. And uh, I think, you know, I address that in the book, too, that my early, early uh, experience with meditation practice was, I realized in retrospect, very, very much stuck in my head. I didn't, you know, wasn't aware of it till much later. But one of the things that garden mindfulness and again, the movement meditations like Tai Chi and Qigong have done for me is helped with that, that full body awareness and really tapping into source. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, the second half of the book is a kind of a wonderful I don't know. It's not a calendar like a, like, but it's 52 weeks. Each week has a focus on a plant and an attribute. And I was curious as I looked at that. So to me, I'm sorry with the wacky way I see thing. It was almost like, it felt like I was reading through like um, trading cards, you know, like we had baseball cards when we were little and (laughs) here were these beautiful, do you know what I mean? Like here's these beautiful touchstones, these signposts to look at the plants and their attributes together. So it's gorgeous. This got me very excited. Um, So, so there you go. Um, Why are they in the order that you chose? And I wonder how you chose the attribute that went with the plant. So the order, um, you know, I started with uh, dandelion and resilience. Um, That was really important to me because I think, again, boy, this last year has shown us we need to be resilient. We need to develop that attribute. And dandelions are just such a symbol to me of resilience. And they always have been. Um, They're a, a healing plant. They actually help our bodies to be more resilient if you if you you know, use them in that way. But the plant itself, when you think about it, it it's sad to me because I think they're just beautiful plants. And I know that people, you know, have a dislike. Some people have a dislike for them and uh, call them weeds. Um, certainly any plant could be a weed if it's in the wrong place and it's taking over where you don't want it to be. But dandelions have so much to offer. And so they're very resilient, even though humans keep trying to get rid of them, they pop up everywhere. And so I wanted to start with that because it's such a strong, um, a strong attribute and we can develop it. We can. And then uh, the last plant in the in the book is um, snapdragons and joy and I really wanted to end with that note of again another thing that we can cultivate um, I um, I have a sticky note on my back door that says cultivate joy as I leave not that I'm going that many places right now but you know when I um, leave to go anywhere that's the last thing I see before I shut the door. And that's been really important, just that focus. And then uh, in between, um, how I laid out the book was um, I'm in Denver, and so there are things that happen in the spring. So if someone was starting in January, um, crocus happens closer to to the beginning of the book, so that would happen in spring pumpkins happen later in the book. So if you were following that kind of, I'm in a a zone five, someone's Mm -hmm. a gardener, they would know that. Um, So we laid them out um, in that way. And again, I have friends that are working with the book and kind of, um, you know, my thinking was that people would use them weekly. But I, I know one person at least who's sort of flipping through the book each morning and then doing that entry 
and working with that plant and attribute for the day. So it's another way to to um, work with it as well. Oh, that's very fun. It becomes kind of like a garden oracle almost. Yes. Yeah. And focal point for the day. Yep. I love it. How do you believe these practices, the the ones you set out in the book, how do these help make the world better? We think that any kind of mindfulness practice could contribute to the world being a better place. I mean, you think about um, mindfulness helps people to be uh, calmer, for one, and to be uh, more aware of things, develop their own wisdom. But I also know that sometimes people can practice those, and, and we, we do live in this culture that has us be very separate, so people can get very insulated with that practice. What I think happens with garden mindfulness practice is it expands your awareness. It, it pushes that vision out. It really um, nurtures the connectedness that, that we know exists, but again, sometimes we close ourselves off to. So when you're really out there observing noting, being attentive to the green world, you're pushing out that awareness. And and what happens, I believe, with that kind of mindfulness practice is that you begin to make decisions from a place that's not all about me, that really includes this wider world that we're part of, this wider community, not just of humans, but of plants, of animals, of other entities, because we are all in this together. Uh, so I think it really nurtures that. And I think when people are coming from that, that awareness, we're going to have wiser decisions being made. We're going to have decisions made that take the whole community into account. Makes it harder to, I think this is spiritual practice does this, makes it harder to see ourselves as the center of everything. Yes. Yes. And I think a lot of problems on the planet are are caused by humans sometimes thinking they're the center of everything, sadly. I agree. Do you have a favorite plant? And it's just you and me talking. I'm not going to tell the other plants. Do you have a favorite one? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, so anything I plant in my garden, I love. And so um, sometimes it gets hard to pick out the favorites, but it, it, it's kind of the time of the year or something even that I'm working on. So fennel is one of my favorite plants. And um, the seed heads look like uh, bursts of, of fireworks. And it's on a very long stalk. Um, I've just always loved the plant. I grow bronze fennel, so it's it's actually just the color is gorgeous on it as well. And um, always felt way, way back before I ever thought about writing a book that it it had to do with fireworks or illumination or lighting up the world. And um, when I started to write about fennel and and illumination is the correspondence for fennel, as you know, um, I suddenly rediscovered something that I'm sure somebody told me back when I was a kid, but that in the Greek myth, Prometheus brings fire to humans and he hides it in a fennel stalk and it was so cool for me to find that out because fire of course lit up the world it it 
brought heat and light to humans. But what I what I didn't know, or I had forgotten, was that the reason the other gods got so angry at Prometheus in this story is that it, it didn't just bring humans light and heat. It, it somehow quickened their awareness. It actually enlightened their minds. And there was this sort of leap of understanding for the human race. And the other gods didn't want Prometheus to do that. So what was interesting, there's so many interesting parts to this story when I reread it. It was a confirmation that this knowing that I had always had that Fennel was about illumination. But for me, the part that he didn't bring like a flaming torch to humans, he brought these embers, these coals in a stalk. He had to hide them so that they were, you know, unseen. And I think about when we're working on illumination, when we're trying to bring light to the world, that sometimes there's just these coals or embers and we have to stand them. Something is required of us. Like nobody brought us this, this torch. We, this something is required of us to step up and to fan these coals and turn them into flames. And I just thought that was so cool when I, I discovered that and that connection. I just okay. love the plant even more because of that. How can listeners find out more about your work and how can they get their hands on this book? So the book's available at any online seller. I mean, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Of course, people can check with their local independent bookseller because they can usually get it for you in a few days. And uh, my website, again, is... Um, mindfulnessgardengames.com. There's lots of information there. I've been blogging since 2013. So if people like the book, there's lots of sort of musings about mindfulness and gardens. There's other mindfulness practices there. So they might like that as well. What's the one simplest thing that a listener could do right now to get started with getting mindful in the garden? Yeah, go outside, go outside and notice what's happening and try not to label it. Try not to put words on it. Just sense it, smell it, touch it, be present for these living entities that are all around us. Joanne, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you so much. It was great talking with you. Thank you. That is Joanne Calabrese, and her new book is Growing Mindful Exploration. It's in the garden to deepen your awareness. Then you can find out more about Joanne and her work at mindfulnessgardengames.com. And you're always welcome over at karenhigger.com. That's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You're even welcome to book a private session there if you are so inclined. If you are interested in joining a community of people who gather monthly to focus on peace in our hearts and peace in the world, I invite you to check out openpeacefulheart.com. Once a month, my wife and I host a 15-minute free guided meditation call, and there's no selling, there's no yelling, there's nothing icky. It's just guided meditation that focuses on peace, just like that little ember in the fennel seed. When we focus our intention, when we desire change, when we bring our awareness to what we can do to make a difference, things change. 
And if you resonate with that, check out openpeacefulheart.com. There are uh, recordings of past calls to listen to, and you can um, get the details for our next call, which will be the first Sunday of next month. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.